0: You are listening to the Brady Farkas Show podcast. Thanks to Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber. You can always listen to the show live weekdays from 5.30 to 7 p.m. on WDEV AM and FM and streaming at WDEVradio.com. You can text in your thoughts 24-7 at 802-585-3026. That's 802-585-3026. The following is a presentation from WDEV Radio. fast pace. The money was just Burning a hole in Bill Belichick's pocket. He had to spend it, and as fast as possible. Opinionated. Of all the stopgap quarterbacks, Cam Newton was the best choice for the Patriots. Kudos to them getting it right. To the point. Socks will be better. They're still finishing in fourth. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEV Radio.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome in. Brady Farkas show on a Monday right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEV radio.com. Short show today, just up until 6.05. Just up until 6 6.00, o'clock, actually. 6.05 is the pregame show for Red Sox baseball. Sox and Orioles game for their four game set at Camden Yards. It's going to be a week full of short shows. Every Red Sox game this week is pregame show either 6.05 or 6.10. So that means that we'll spend a half hour together here on the live version of the show and then most days we'll spend some more time together on the digital version of the show. Just subscribe over to the Brady Farkas Show podcast channel on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. There's no Digital version of the show today, though, and the reason why is because I have spent my day training our first intern on the Brady Farkas show. Intern Jack is here. At some point, you'll hear from Intern Jack, but not on day one. We can't give him the airtime right away, but at some point, you'll hear from Intern Jack, so we're pumped to have him in. He's going to be doing a lot of stuff for us. I think he doesn't know it yet, but his first um project for the Brady Farkas show is going to be making us a new show intro. So I think that's going to be something that intern Jack does here in a little bit. So we're happy to welcome him to the team. But so because I've been putting on my managerial hat For the uh, course of the day, no time to do the digital version of the show today. So appreciate all of you who always check in with us. Well, we are here for the half an hour. You can get in on the Napa-Morrisville, Napa-Waterbury text line at 802-585-3026. That's your locally owned Napa stores in Waterbury and Morrisville. Again, 802-585-3026. Not here for a long time, so let's get right to it.
1: Five,
0: four, three, two, one. And... Here we go. The opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas Show were brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg, Derby, Swanton, Middlesex, and St. Albans and online at sticksandstuff.com. Former Patriots tight end and future Hall of Famer Rob Gronkowski creating a stir late last week when he said he thinks recently retired Patriots wide receiver Julian Edelman will come back to the NFL after a period of time off. Huh, Gronk, really? I believe, you know, if Julian truly heals up and, uh, you know, whatever's hurting on him, uh, you know, and he and he fully heals and feels good, I think he'll be back. I don't see why he wouldn't be back eventually in the future, uh, maybe a year or two away. He, let me tell you, he's just a competitor. Uh, so if I say if he heals up 100%. So if he heals up 100%, he could see Edelman coming back. can you see Edelman back? Do you want to see Edelman back? I think Edelman's done. I I, I just don't see any way in which Edelman comes back. I like Edelman. I'd love for him to be healthy enough to play forever. I'd love for him to be healthy enough to be a, a contributing patriot forever. I don't see any way in which Julian Edelman comes back to football. I know Gronk did it. Okay, Gronk did it and did it rather successfully, so that's why he seems to think that anyone could do it. But Edelman and Gronk are in very, very different situations. The, the first off and the main point here is age. Gronk, for as long as he's been around and for as beaten up as he has been in his career, it feels like he's been around forever. Gronk is not even 32 yet. Gronk is just a handful of months older than me. Like, Gronk is not that old. He stepped aside after his age 29 season. There clearly was physically more in the tank there if Gronk wanted it, and he did. Edelman is in a completely different point of his career and in his life. Julian Edelman is 34 years old. He's about to be 35. So if he takes a full year off, you're asking him to come back and play a physical brand of football at, for him, what is a physically demanding position at the age of 36. That's very, very different than Gronk, who was able to come back at 30. So Gronk comes back at 30. That's doable. You're still in the arguable prime of your career there, in the prime of your physicality there. Edelman is not at the prime of his physicality. Julian Edelman is 34 years old. If he takes a year off and, as Gronk says, gets healthy, he's coming back at 36. He's not in the age window of successful, you know, non quarterback, non offensive lineman players in the NFL. It's just not likely. Secondly, Gronk says that Edelman will come back if he gets healthy. He's not going to get healthy by playing. Julian Edelman is going to get healthy by resting and by staying retired. We had Dr. Jessica Flynn on this show a couple of weeks ago, and she's a sports, you know, a sports medicine expert. She said Edelman is clearly dealing with arthritis. That is a degenerative condition. It's not going to get better. It's not like, okay, I've had a couple of broken bones. Let me sit back, heal up for a year, rest, and kind of get back to it. This is a degenerative condition that Julian Edelman has in arthritis. It's not going to get better by playing. His knee is not going to get better. It's only going to cause him more pain, and it's only going to cause him more discomfort. Gronk obviously had physical ailments. He had a lot of physical ailments. He was hurt at large portions of his career. The bad quad after the Super Bowl, I remember he said that you know it was horrible, the bruise he had on his quad after the Super Bowl win against the Rams. He was able to heal up after that. Edelman won't be able to overcome this. It's not going to happen. And also for Edelman, I don't think the style of play that he plays is conducive to him coming back. Again, we can look at wide receiver and say, oh, it's a prima donna position. Oh, it's a, a speed and finesse driven position. And it is for some guys. It's not that way for Julian Edelman. Julian Edelman needs to play in the trenches, he needs to take hits, absorb contact, block in the run game with the physicality. That's part of what's made him so special is playing with that physicality. He needs to cut. He needs to plant. He needs a quick change of direction. None of those things will happen on a bulky knee. And Julian Edelman, look, i got to see if I can find this clip real quick, but he told the guys you know, last week that, uh, or I guess two weeks ago at this point, the guys from Barstool Sports from Pardon My Take, he said, like, I don't want to come back and be a shell of myself. I don't want to cheat the game. I don't want to be that guy who hangs on too long. Okay, we don't have the clip anymore. But he said, I don't want to be the guy who hangs on too long and doesn't come back and, you know, doesn't come back in, or isn't able to give everything that I want to give. It's just not going to happen. So, Gronk, it's, it'd be a nice pipe dream if Julian Edelman kept playing and if he kept playing for the Patriots. It's not going to happen. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. couple of texts coming in on the Napa-Morrisville-Napa-Waterbury text line. Oliver in Charlotte says, Brady, don't you think that Tom Brady will convince Edelman to go to Tampa with him, even if Edelman's got a bulky knee? Can't TB12 convince him? I, I think I think Tom Brady could try, but no, I don't think that it's going to happen. This past year would have been the year for Edelman in Tampa. If by some reasoning, Julian Edelman was cut from the Patriots this year, this past season, if he was a free agent this season in the season of 2020, that would have been the year for him to go to Tampa. Okay? That's the year Brady would have been able to get him there. Brady had control of the roster this year, essentially. Brady's the reason Leonard Fournette went to Tampa. Brady's the reason Gronk went to Tampa. And Brady's the reason Antonio Brown went to Tampa. Brady had control of the roster this year, and that's when he needed control of the roster to shape it the way he wanted to and bring in his guys. This would have been the year for Edelman, the first year. He did not need Edelman now. It, this team is set for Tampa. The Buccaneers are bringing back all 22 starters from a year ago, and at the wide receiver position, these guys are locked in beyond 2021 into 2022. Like If we're talking about Edelman taking a year off, and coming back refreshed, well, these guys are going to be here in 2022 also. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin will be there. A.B. might not, but Scotty Miller will be. They've got got guys. They won't need a 36-year-old Julian Edelman. There's just not room for Edelman in Tampa. There is room for Edelman in New England. If he could play, he would play. He can't play anymore. Edelman had a year left on his contract. He had money left on his contract if he could play, he would play. Tampa doesn't need him. And as far as Edelman wanting to play, he wants to. He just can't. And he knows it. Uh, I also take Edelman at his word, by the way. He gave a lengthy video tribute to New England. He said it multiple times. He recently came out to the Pat McAfee show on social media and said, look, man, I'm not coming back. And Athletes have lied, and athletes have changed their mind, and I've been duped before. I don't think Julian Edelman is trying to dupe us. He's a pretty stubborn guy. He's a pretty direct guy. He's a pretty forward guy. I generally believe Edelman when he talks. He said, Foxborough forever. He said, it's the Patriots or nobody. I think he's pretty headstrong, and I don't think he's going to back out on this one. Lewis from Williamstown gets in on the Napa-Morrisville-Napa-Waterbury text line. because All right, Brady, you're right. He says Foxborough forever. What do you think about him taking a year off and just coming back to the Patriots? Man, I just don't see it. I just don't see Julian Edelman coming back. He's so proud. He's accomplished so much in Foxborough. I don't think he wants to come back, as he said, and be a lesser version of himself. He doesn't want to be that guy. He wants to be the guy that fans remember. And even though it was a couple of years ago, I think Patriots fans still remember Julian Edelman as Super Bowl MVP Julian Edelman. They still remember him that way. Now, yes, he's been injured since then, but at least in my mind, I still remember him almost single-handedly being all the offense against the Rams in the Super Bowl. I don't think he wants to come back and be a guy who's just hanging on. I, I just don't see it. And by the way, we don't know what the Patriots situation will be in 2022. If he takes a year off, I mean, who's the quarterback? Is Mac Jones the quarterback, and it's his first year starting? Does Edelman want to be a part of that? I don't think so. I think Edelman wants to come back, and if he's going to play, he wants to win a Super Bowl. And as good as Mac Jones might be, he not winning a Super Bowl in his first full year as a starter. It's just not happening. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Uh, unnamed texter says, better to go out on top, not chase Tom Brady and be the third string at best. I I think that's fair, too. If Julian Edelman went to Tampa, and think about it, too. If he went to Tampa, I'm convinced he's not playing this year. So if you're saying he's going to come back in 2022, Tom Brady will be 45. And does Edelman want to come back and play with a 45-year-old Tom Brady and be the third or fourth option in just the receiver's room, not to mention whatever tight ends might be there at that point? I don't think Edelman's won three championships. He doesn't need a championship enough to go out and do this. Some guys, you know, Carl Malone, they'll do whatever to chase the ring at the very end. Julian Edelman doesn't need to chase the ring. He's already got the ring. All right. Enough of the Patriots for now. We'll always get to the Patriots, though, uh, tomorrow on the live show. More on the podcast version of tomorrow's show. Remember, no podcast version of the show today. Zach in Bristol was the one who sent in that message about uh, Edelman not chasing Brady. He says, great show, Zach. We appreciate you listening as well. So, again, we're only live until 6 o'clock today. Red Sox baseball comes up at uh, 6.05 with the pregame show, 7.05 with the first pitch. Tomorrow, we'll have the more digital version of the show. On the local front, great, great news this past weekend. There was Ellie Purier dominating at the track and field Golden Games in California, and then there was the UVM men's lacrosse team. Catamounts getting to their first ever NCAA tournament. They beat UAlbany on Sunday to win the America East Championship. They'll take on Maryland and next weekend's NCAA tournament. Head coach Chris Fifes fresh off a championship, he's going to be with us next right here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com.
1: Hi, this is Evan Hallstrom. I race super late models with the Pro All-Star Series. You can follow me throughout the summer racing up and down the East Coast. I've always loved auto racing.
0: Not only do I drive the car, but I build it with my dad. We're a small family-run team that has a lot of fun. I'm proud of the work that I do with the Governor's Highway Safety Program
1: and the Vermont Highway Safety Alliance. Remember, click it or ticket. Follow me on my Facebook page at Evan Hallstrom Racing and Twitter at EvanHMS1 or my website at EvanHallstromRacing.com. This is Freddie Coleman of ESPN, and you're listening to Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV and WDEVRadio.com.
0: Welcome back in. It's the Brady Farkas Show on a Monday right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVRadio.com, and it is a Championship Monday. For the UVM men's lacrosse team. They win their first ever conference tournament championship on Saturday by beating Albany in a nationally televised game. They now know they're going to the NCAA tournament to take on Maryland. So uh, lots of good news for the cats all around. And joining us now is the architect of the UVM program, head coach Chris Fifes Coach, congratulations. How are you today? Thank you. Thank you. Very uh, Feeling great. Feeling great. So uh, really excited for the week ahead. Well, I appreciate you being uh, with us. I watched most of the game on Saturday, an early 10 a.m. start, but I enjoyed getting up early and watching that one. When the clock hits zeros, what's going through your mind?
1: I mean, it was just a rush of emotions. You know, having been here for five years and knowing all the challenges that we've had to go through this year, it's just hard to put it into words. But just so much happiness for the team and so much happiness for the staff and just knowing how much everybody's put into this thing. uh, It was just a surreal feeling.
0: You know, ever since I started in radio and I lived in Albany, UAlbany has been the kings of the conference. So I've been in radio for seven years, and they've dominated for almost the entirety of that seven years. So knowing that they were on that pedestal in the league, did it mean more not only to win but to beat UAlbany?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. You know, the first two years, we took a lot of tough losses to them. And uh, in 2018 specifically, when at the time we had had our our best team you know, they, they beat us in a pretty dominant fashion in the championship game. And so I think I, in my head, I just, you know, used them as kind of the bar uh, in terms of where we wanted to be and how we wanted to play. And uh, it was really kind of um, sweet to be able to play them in the championship and have the success that we did.
0: You know, we in sports media, I think erroneously spent all of last year when sports came back from the pandemic talking about if shortened season championships were illegitimate or if bubble championships were illegitimate. Looking back now at all you guys have been through over the last 18 months, does it actually mean more to win under these circumstances? 100%.
1: It really, really does. I mean, it was more challenging than it's ever been. It's been like any coaching year I've ever been a part of. And, uh, you know, the last season to have your seniors that helped you build this program, you know, go out in the fashion that they did was a really, really heart wrenching feeling. And so this was not only for the guys that we have on the current team, but it was for the seniors that last year didn't get to see the season out. And we felt like they were a really special group, too. So, um, you know, it was it was uh, doubly satisfying in that regard.
0: You know, you mentioned being here for five years. Uh, You came in as an assistant from the University of North Carolina, which is one of the top programs in the country and arguably the best conference in the country in the ACC. When you came here five years ago, what were the goals and uh, what went into getting it to this point?
1: Yeah, the goals were to develop a championship culture. And that is really what we've put the bulk of our time into with this program. And I'm really, really fortunate to have, know, great assistants that have been with me the entire way. And that continuity has allowed me to have a consistent message and to develop really strong relationships with kids from all classes uh, and incoming recruits. And these guys, you know, they do so much for these guys on the team in terms of uh, on and off the field. And it really translates to um, the level of success that we've had, um, you know, in in the conference tournament and also just as a whole.
0: Chris Fife he's the head coach at UVM men's lacrosse. They win the conference championship on Saturday by beating you Albany 15 to 10. Now they're going to the NCAA tournament where they will take on Maryland. And this is a game with ripe with storylines for you guys, because you played at Maryland, your top assistant, Jake Bernard, he also played at Maryland. So what's it going to be like for a, a pair of coaches going up against their alma mater?
1: I mean, it's such a privilege. It's such a cool story. And for us, you know, it is the moment is not lost on us, you know, uh, we're obviously very thrilled for our guys that we get to play against the best teams in the country, you know, in the NCAA tournament. And with Maryland being the first matchup, uh, you know, we just feel like um, it could be a really cool experience for our guys to go down there again. And uh, like we did last year for a preseason yeah. scrimmage and and, um, you know, compete with the best of them. And uh, I really like the group that we have and just really excited to see them you know, compete again uh, for one more week.
0: And as far as I understand it, Jake Bernhardt, who's your assistant, his brother is on the coaching staff at Maryland and his other brother is arguably the best player at Maryland. So uh, more storylines about how good is your assistant coach's brother who's playing against you guys this weekend?
1: I mean, he's arguably the best player in Maryland history. You know, he's that good. He's that special of a player and he really embodies what it is to be a Terp, you know, when you talk about being the best, you know, he's a team first guy. He's a guy that is willing to do whatever it takes for his teammates to help them win. And he's an incredibly, incredibly humble guy. So that combination of factors to me, you know, he, he's elevated to the to the top of the top. And, uh, you know, we're definitely going to have our hands full trying to defend him.
0: You know, there's going to be a lot of people who are now on the UVM bandwagon that weren't on the UVM bandwagon before. People who were pumped up about you guys being on national TV the other day, pumped up about seeing you guys play this weekend. For the newcomers to the party, tell them a little bit about your team.
1: Yeah, you know, we're a gritty group. We're a group that really embraces the challenges of being the northernmost Division One school in the country uh, and building a roster of a mixture of Canadians uh, and Americans that are from all over the country. You know, we really embrace that shelter of being guys that they weren't really rooted. Guys, that you know, uh, we're late bloomers, um, but we feel like we have the talent and the, the 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 toughness and the ability to go out there and compete with anybody. And um, you know, we we're really excited to be on the national stage and show people what we really feel like we've been building for the last you know five years.
0: You know, I love too. You talk about roster building. I love that one of your most productive players is a Division three transfer. I love that.
1: We do too. We do too. <laughs> Michael McCormick is a special, special player. You know, he's a grown man. He is. Physically, he is a a specimen and he's also a coach's son who's incredibly smart as a player um, and a very, very just, you know, even keel kid off the field. And that really translates to his consistency as a scorer for our program. And we've been incredibly lucky to have him here with us this year.
0: Yeah, you know, he went to Middlebury, had a good career in the NESCAC. I can obviously understand what attracts him. You, to him, being a D3 guy who wants to play D1 at the end of his career, but it's got to go the other way, too. Why did you, uh, why were you able to be open to bringing in a D3 player and thinking not only that he could make the team, but contribute at the level he has?
1: Yeah, you know, he uh, he had tremendous success as a high school player and as a collegiate player, and I have nothing but respect for Middlebury and Neskak and You know, I know that that kid's skills could translate to any level. I think any coach would love to coach Michael McCormick. And, um, you know, we have a saying in our staff is game recognized game. And that kid, he really has uh, all the tools to be successful at any level. And it was just a matter of giving him a chance and an opportunity to compete and show people what he could do. And uh, fortunate enough that we had a spot available and he was willing to come here and take a, um, you know, a health and wellness certificate for a year and continue his studies. And it's been a really good fit for us
0: you know, like everything in the pandemic, things look different. So tell me, how does this year's lacrosse championships differ from the Uh, quote, normal lacrosse championships? Less teams, as I understand it, first and foremost.
1: Yeah, less teams, but you know, in some ways it's more competitive than ever. Some of these traditional powers have loaded up on transfers and have some super teams, if you will. Um, And have definitely changed the landscape, you know, and I'll also say that Within some of these conferences, having their 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 games limited to just conference play, you know, has has led to um, some different elements that maybe you don't see in a traditional year. And I think that it's uh, it's a it's a really exciting time to be in the NCAA tournament because uh, you're going to see some really high level across. But it's also, you know, um, pretty cool to sit back as a fan and look at the level of skill that that's going on right now. So we're just excited to be a part of it and excited to show what we can do, too.
0: You know, I'm sure you've heard this a zillion times, and I'm sure I'm guilty of it, too, as a media member. When we think about UVM, we traditionally think of hockey and basketball. Um, How important is this championship run for you guys to continue to put the sport out there on the map of the community, your own athletic department, the media, everybody? Well,
1: first and foremost, we love uh, the state of Vermont. You know, we love everything that this state, you know, brings to the table and the balance of the education and the outdoor piece. And, you know, what, what the experience is like here at UVM is one that we feel a lot of student athletes would want. It's just a matter of being exposed to Vermont. And it's not really on the way to a lot of traditional you know, hotbeds per se, but in New England, there's a lot of young young kids who who grow up skiing in Vermont or hiking in Vermont, and and you know, the ability to come up here and get a great education, compete at the highest level, of Division One, and also have a little bit more of a well-rounded college experience um, off the field is one that uh, we feel like you know kids are starting to see, and we're really excited about moving forward.
0: You know, I'll get you out of here on this. Uh, you talked about loading up on transfers. Um, So just kind of a a nerdy question on my behalf. Um, We've seen so much about the transfer portal in all sports. We see it specifically nationally in college football and college basketball. But how hard is it now to be a coach? Recruiting is already the lifeblood of college sports. And now I feel like you have to re-recruit your own players every year in order to keep them there. Am I right on that? How difficult is that dynamic?
1: No. It is, I think, maybe if you don't have a strong culture or if you have a transient culture where you're bringing in transfers all the time, you know, we we don't really typically scour the transfer portal. We really like the guys that we have and we like to develop kids over the course of their career. So for us, with us putting the majority of our focus into having a great locker room and a great culture, um, I think that we want guys that want to be here. And if there's a young men that want to pursue other opportunities, whether it be academic or whether it be athletic, we don't want to stand in their way. We feel like we have a, a special product here at Vermont and a place that a lot of kids really embrace and love. Um, and so we like to you know put our energy into the, the culture. And if kids want to be a part of it, great. And if they don't, we'll help them go somewhere else.
0: Chris Fife, head coach UVM Men's Lacrosse, his team headed to the NCAA tournament Sunday 2:30, the game will be nationally televised on the ESPN family of networks and they're going to take on Maryland, a program certainly with a whole lot of connections up here in Catamount country. So coach, congratulations on your success this past weekend and uh, fingers crossed to future success this weekend. Thank you very much, Brady. It's been a pleasure to be here. Uh, pleasure to have you as well. Congratulations to Chris Fife's UVM Men's Lacrosse coach. His team Headed to the NCAA tournament for the very first time. And, you know, I the first time I spoke to Chris Fifes, I was like, this dude knows what he's doing. And this guy certainly has a good plan. I didn't speak to him right at the outset of his tenure when he got to Vermont, but it was pretty close after. And uh, certainly, is somebody who has built this the right way. Like, I for all I know, this could have happened last year. Their team was 3-1 and one before the pandemic hit, and they had to shut down the season. So for all I know, this could have happened a year ago. But a real big testament to his team to come out. So you lose the conference title game in 2018. You get knocked in the mouth in 2019 and don't go to the tournament that year. 2020, you rebound and you have a good start, and then it ends. And then this year, you come out, you beat your arch rivals from Albany, the team that has dominated the conference. And when I say dominated, I mean dominated. Like, I remember living in Albany, and you have the Thompson brothers who are battling for the Tawaraton Award, which is the college lacrosse equivalent of the Heisman Trophy. You have uh, their cousin, Ty Thompson, who's in there. So they're three of the best players in the country all in the same roster. They ended up in the final four one year, I believe. Maybe it was the Elite Eight. but They lose to Notre Dame in there. So, like, Albany dominates this league and was on the national, you know, relevancy for for a couple of years there so to go beat albany i i appreciate the transparency by the way the honesty in saying yeah you know what it did mean more to beat you albany so now uh, congratulations to chris Feist. if you miss any of the interview you can always check it out online on the brady farkas show podcast channel on spotify and Apple Podcast. The show is brought to you in part by Evan Holstrom Racing. Evan Holstrom is an 18-year-old out of Northfield, Vermont, who is looking to make his name, or continuing to make his name, in the world of racing. He's a member of the Pro All-Star Series Super Late Model uh, division, and he's going to be racing again on May 23rd, less than two weeks from now, up in New Hampshire at North Woodstock. So, very, very excited to follow his career. If you love Thunder Road, if you love racing, well, head on over to the past Side because that's where Evan Holstrom is. 21 career races, 10 top. 10 10 finishes, just 18 years old and the youngest ever to qualify for the Vermont Milk Bowl at Thunder Road. Red Sox and Orioles coming up here, 605 with the pregame show. Martin Perez against Jorge Lopez. That's your pitching matchup. Perez 0-2 with a 4-4-0. Lopez 1-3 with a 6-4-9. I got 30 seconds. Real quick, Red Sox lineup. Marvin Gonzalez is at second. Alex goes in center. J.D. Martinez, the D.H. Xander Bogarts at short. Rafael Devers at third. Kristen Vasquez, the catcher. Hunter Renfro starting to heat up a bit. Four homers, 17 RBIs. He's in the seventh spot in right. Franchi Cordero's in left. He hits eighth. And Bobby Dahlbeck is at first. He bats ninth. Intern Jack, thanks to you on day one. I'm back at it tomorrow here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com.